Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you today, and we trust that God will continue to bless us as we are together. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And I'm going to read from verse 13 through verse 18, give a little bit of context to the text I'm bringing you this morning. So hear God's Word, Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for this your word. Thank you for the fact that you call us together to worship you. And thank you that as we have the privilege of being together as your people, that you promise to meet with us and dwell among us and affirm to us that You are indeed our God, and we are your people. We pray that in this time as we are together, that you'll be pleased to do this very thing. So be with us, we ask, by the power of your Spirit, applying your word to our hearts and affirming to us that we are indeed your people. And although we may look at our world and be confounded by some of the things that are occurring and wondering what is becoming of your promises, we pray that we may trust you and see that Jesus Christ is indeed the one who answers and fulfills all of your promises to us. 
Hear us, we ask, in the good and gracious name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Amen. Uh, The text is Matthew chapter 2 and verses 16 through 18. As we look at our world and we zero in on the controversies and the conflicts that are surrounding us in this season of an election, we might wonder in the midst of all of this conflict that has arisen, What in the world has happened to the promises of God? And if we broaden our horizons a little bit and uh, look at the world at large and uh, see the conflicts uh, that are taking place, we uh, just prayed uh, for the uh, mission in South Sudan. And if you've uh, kept up with the news, you understand that uh, the warfare in Sudan does put our mission in South Sudan in some peril. And if you look at the Middle East and uh, the conflicts that are there, and the growing presence of Russia in the Middle East, and the reduced presence of our own country in the Middle East, uh, we wonder... Uh, What is to become of our world? And in that context, we may wonder, where are the promises of God? Uh, I imagine that uh, Jeremiah, living uh, hundreds of years before the coming of Christ, and experiencing the conflict of the idolatry of his own nation, we think of ours too, and then the judgment hand of God coming upon uh, Judah and Jerusalem, he may have had the same question. What is to come of the promises of God? And in the text that's before us in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16, 17, and 18, the people of God are under the yoke of Rome. They have a puppet king, Herod. Things look bleak. They too may have asked the question, what is to come of the promises of God? But although uh, that promise may have been in the minds of uh, people in the times of Jeremiah, and uh, that question for various reasons, may be upon our minds. Actually, in our text this morning, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18, that question is answered. 
The question, what is to come of the promises of God is answered because the answer given is Jesus Christ. He is the answer to the promises of God. He is the precious seed who is the answer to all of the promises of God. And He is the precious seed of the Gospel, the good news to the likes of you and me who are together this morning here worshiping the living God. So let's look at our text and see how this answer emerges from the text. Verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, yes, the wise men had come from the east, and they were looking for the new king in Israel. And they went to Jerusalem, of course, which was the capital city in Israel to inquire as to the birth of the new king. And when Herod heard this, he inquired of the chief priest and then communicated what he had found out to the wise men that they should go to Bethlehem. And he said cunningly to the wise men, Now, when you find the king, you let me know. And because I want to come and worship him also. Uh, But it was a cunning move on the part of Herod because Herod had no intention of worshiping the king. Uh, This new king, he thought, was a rival to his throne. And he would dispose of this rival. And so now, when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men. He sprang into action himself. And calculating the time that he had ascertained from the wise men, he determined that a two-year bracket would be sufficient And it would not only be sufficient to attack the children in Jerusalem proper, but to make sure he hit his target, he would take a region around Bethlehem, I should say, and he killed all of the children two years old and under, in Bethlehem proper, and in that region. And then we have this little quote from the Old Testament. Verse 17 introduces the quote. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentations. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted 
because they were or are no more. And the astounding thing in uh, this text, it seems to me, is not uh, the quotation itself. Uh, But the astounding thing in this text is the little word fulfilled. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. And you scratch your head. And you ask the question, what does Matthew mean when he says, thus was fulfilled? what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. And then he quotes from Jeremiah chapter 31, as we know it, and verse 15. You you see, part of the difficulty here is that uh, Jeremiah 31.15 is not a prediction. (laughs) Uh, This is part of what makes you scratch your head. Uh, Jeremiah is not a prediction of future events. Uh, For example, uh, Genesis 3.15 is a prediction. Uh, God says to the devil, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. There's a prediction. A prediction with regard to the coming of the seed of the woman whom we know is Jesus Christ. There's a prediction. And then, of course, in Genesis chapter 12 and in verse 3, God says to Abraham, In you and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There's a prediction that in you, all the nations will be blessed. And of course, the seed of Abraham about which God is speaking, is Jesus Christ, through whom all the nations of the world are blessed, through whom you are blessed. And this is the reason you are here this morning, because you have been a recipient of the promise given to Abraham, which was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Were you not a recipient of the promise given to Abraham, you would not be here. How how beautiful that is. And the Apostle Paul later said uh, that the Scriptures, knowing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, spoke the Gospel to Abraham saying, in you and in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That's the Gospel. It's the Gospel promise. And then 2 Samuel 7 uh, uh, relates another promise where the prophet Nathan speaks to David. 
And the prophet Nathan says to David, Your son shall sit on your throne. So far, so good. That's, that's a good promise. And uh, at that point, David would have looked at Solomon and said, I'm glad Solomon's going to sit on my throne. But then Nathan added these telling words. Your son shall sit on your throne forever. Forever. And David realized that God was giving him a promise that had to do with things that were far off and that had to do with all of humanity, all of mankind. Because that promise had to do with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. But now we're back to the text. Because, at least on the face of it, Jeremiah 31 and verse 15, these words, A voice was heard in Ramah, Weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. That seems to be more of a, a statement of fact. A statement of historical fact. Uh, and part of the problem is uh, that the statement of historical fact has to do with Rama, not Bethlehem. Well, that's interesting. What's up with this? Well, uh, in order to uh, really grasp what's going on here, uh, we have to go back to uh, the book of Jeremiah. And uh, so I'll ask you to turn back to uh, the Old Testament and to uh, Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. And uh, the book of Jeremiah is a book, really, uh, that's filled with all sorts of words from God in which, through the prophet Jeremiah, God is condemning the people of Israel. He's condemning the people of Israel because of their sin, because of their idolatry, because of their refusal to listen to the Word of God, because of the fact that they puff themselves up and pat themselves on the back and think that they're good, and because of their deeds, they will be approved by God. And Jeremiah, over and over and over again, says, no, 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 no. And the authorities attempt to get rid of Jeremiah, to imprison him. But then in the middle of Jeremiah, chapters 30 through 33, there is a section in the book of Jeremiah that's filled with hope. That's filled with 
prophecies concerning the future and the hope of God. For example, in chapter 31 and verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I looked, uh, took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. This is a word that is fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And through the outpouring of the Spirit. And through the giving of new hearts to people like you and me. This is a good word. And then, if you uh, look back at uh, chapter 31, beginning with verse 10, uh, which was read a little bit earlier, uh, you see this word of hope again. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations! Astounding, isn't it? It's not just the nation Israel. O nations, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from the hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the heights of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain and the wine and the oil, over the young of the flock and of the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will give comfort to them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. A word of promise and of hope and of restoration in the midst of gloom. And then comes verse 15. Thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children. Because they are no more. 
Rachel, Rachel had died centuries earlier. Rachel was the, was the wife of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Rachel had died centuries earlier. And Jeremiah sees in the midst of all that's taking place in Judah a personification of Rachel in Rama. Rama was a little village five miles north of Jerusalem. Bethlehem was a little village five miles south of Jerusalem. Rachel, Rachel bore Joseph and Benjamin. And she died giving birth to Benjamin. And Genesis tells us that she was buried on the road to Bethlehem. And Rachel, the favored wife of Jacob, was looked upon as the matriarch of Israel, the mother of Israel. And during the time of Jeremiah, who lived through the successive invasions of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar, 605, 597, 586, successive invasions by the Babylonians, and the carrying away of the people into captivity. Jeremiah lived through all that. And now he sees the personification of Rachel in Rama. And Rama, it turns out, Rama was a location where captives were gathered. Jeremiah himself in chains experienced being in Rama being prepared to being carted off to Babylon in captivity. He was released, however. But Rama was this collection point. And there is Rachel, the personification of Rachel, watching her children being carted away into captivity, weeping. Rachel remembered the promises given to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And you can, you can imagine her watching 
her children being taken away into captivity and thinking to herself, what's become of the promises of God? Will the precious seed God promised be destroyed? And she weeps and will not be comforted. The Scripture says, because of this nagging question, what will become of the promises of God and what will become of the precious seed promised by God? Fast forward. Fast forward to Matthew chapter 2. Because you see, when you come to Matthew chapter 2 and you are reminded of the prophecy, the words of Jeremiah in chapter 31 and verse 15, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Connected to the slaughter of the infants in Bethlehem. But although the question is not answered, in Jeremiah. The question is answered in Matthew. Praise be to God. The question, what becomes of the precious seed? The precious seed is Jesus. Let's read from verse 13 once again. Now when they had departed, that's the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. The precious seed is Jesus. And when the children in Bethlehem and environs are destroyed, Jesus, Jesus is the one who escapes. 
by the hand of God and is preserved as the precious seed announced in the promises of God. And so the implicit question that arises out of Jeremiah 31.15, the weeping of Rachel, the implicit question, what is to become of the promises of God? What is to become of the precious seed is answered in Jesus Christ. And when you take all of this, friends, and you look at what God is presenting to you and to me in the Gospel of Matthew, you realize that Jesus Christ is the precious seed who is the precious seed of the Gospel who is given to you and to me. This is why all of this took place. All of this took place long ago. The promises long ago were given to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. The troubles through which Judah and Jerusalem and Israel were to go long ago. And the heartfelt cries of Jeremiah in that troubled time. And then the troubles. The troubles in Bethlehem where so many were lost. But in it all, the precious seed, Jesus Christ is preserved for you and for me. You see, this is all part of the Gospel. This is all part of the gospel story. Look back at verse 22 in Matthew chapter 1. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7.14 Then uh, look at chapter 2, verse 5. They told him, Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come forth a ruler, who will be, who will shepherd my people, Israel. Micah 2.5 or 5.2 Fulfilled in Jesus. Chapter 2 and verse 15. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son, Hosea 11.1. And then verse 18. 
about Rachel and Bethlehem and Ramah. The precious seed, Jesus Christ, given to you and to me in the gospel. So what do you think? What do you think, friends, about the turmoil of an election? It's nothing in comparison to the overall picture of what God is doing in bringing about His precious promises in Jesus Christ. Because everything that takes place in this world is falling out in accordance with the perfect plan of God for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the presentation of the precious seed of the gospel to men and women to bring them to glory and to heaven. And to bring the likes of you and me to glory and to heaven. And the turmoil of an election and the turmoil of wars that are taking place in the world pale in insignificance when compared to the greater plan and purpose of God which is being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And you and I have the privilege of being the beneficiaries of that good and gracious plan. And the question, the nagging question that often arises in your heart and my heart, what is to become of the purposes of God has been answered once and for all. And the answer is Jesus Christ, the precious seed. And God, by His grace, calls you and me to trust in Him and to follow Him and to understand that He is the answer to every question ultimately that you and I could possibly have concerning this life and this world and the life to come. Yes, Jesus Christ, the precious seed, trust only, only in Him. Let's pray. Father, You are good and gracious to us in uh, so many ways, and uh, we thank You that this is the case. Uh, Forgive us, Father, that uh, we uh, are so easily brought down into the humdrum of this life uh, by uh, the cascade of news uh, 
and the things that we hear around us. And we forget the wonder of your hand at work in our lives and in the world. Forgive us that this is the case. And cause us to lift our eyes above the fray to Jesus Christ who is seated at your right hand and to remember that He has indeed already fulfilled all of the good and precious promises. And that we are as your children, recipients of those promises. And so, Lord Jesus Christ, we trust you and we thank you that no matter how things may fall out in the world around us, We are in your hands, bound up in the precious seed of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. Thank you that this is the case. And give us peace and stability in our hearts, knowing Jesus Christ, the precious seed. We ask it in His good name. Amen.